Hey, I'm Rich Hunter-Rice and welcome to the 3%ers Business Coaching Podcast, Season 2. Here we are. It is the dizzy heights of season two, episode eight of the Three Percenters Business Coaching. So, hope you're having a great week. I hope you're having a good start to your Friday. Or, actually, maybe you're not even listening to this on a Friday. Shock horror. Now, you should know by now this comes out every Friday morning, 8 a.m. British summertime, or whatever time, you know, whatever that converts to wherever you are. So, you know, you might be listening to it on a Saturday, Sunday. Monday, I don't know, so just hope you're having a good day. Um, great episode today. Uh, I love this interview. Julia, I've known for three, maybe four months now, uh, is always very, very straight talking. My kind of person, always going to resonate with me. Um, she shoots on the hip, straight talking, says it how she sees it, but also has a great angle and a great view on the world. Um, and also, she's got amazing business experience. Her history is phenomenal, which makes her so good as a coach in what she does now. But anyway, I will shut up and let you listen to the episode. I will catch you at the end. Good morning, Julia. So would you like to introduce yourself and explain exactly who you are and what you do, please? Hello, Rich. I'm Julia Stock, and I'm a business revolutionary. So... I help my clients to scale up, reduce their stress and improve their profitability. So I love working with ambitious business owners. I love that title. That title is just amazing. Have you always used that title? We came up, we, we devised it a couple of years ago when we were trying to be, I suppose, more authentic if we want to use that tedious language. And you often tell me off on my use of language. Um, um, there are an awful lot of business advisors, business coaches, management consultants out there. Um, a lot of them are very boring. Um, mm. And we don't want to be boring. We, you know, in many ways are boring. But as far as running a business is concerned, no, we wanted to have more fun with it. And, um, yeah, it's about talking about the impact that we can have. And we do help people revolutionise how they run their business. Absolutely. Uh, I always love, the reason why we get on so well, I love your straight talkiness. I love <laughs> how you look, the 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 way you look at the world as well. And you're absolutely right. There are so many coaches and consultants out there who are as dull as shit. And it's, it's the world's just full of them. And we need more people who are straight talking, uh, have got that experience, say it as they see, and just want to make a big difference, which is a very see for the pair of us. So you've got a very interesting backstory. So how did you get started? Um, I came via working for my parents. I first started working for my parents at the age of 10 when they had a little toy shop, um, which is quite a cool place to be working when you're 10 years old on a Saturday, um, unpaid, 
apart from in toys at Christmas. Um, and my parents basically had this succession of cruddy little businesses um, through my childhood. And the good times were good and the bad times were really bad. Um, and so you kind of grow up with that up and downness. Um, and it's very interesting getting distracted, um, talking to other people whose parents had ups and downs financially during their childhood as to how you choose to react to that. Um, me, I'm all about the jam today. <laughs> I know an awful lot of people who reacted by really holding on to everything and they're all about the jam tomorrow. Um, anyway, um, post-university, so I did a degree in economics, um, which is interesting how often I talk about that stuff. Um, I do still use it, even though it's a kind of theoretical um, academic qualification. Coming out of that, I gained um, the opportunity to do a six-week work placement at Ljubljanska Banka in Ljubljana, Slovenia. That was kind of kicking off the October after I left uni, and so kind of stuck in that summer, not really knowing what I wanted to do. I'd applied to become an accountant. <laughs> They turned me down. Brilliant. I think that's because I had too much personality to be an accountant. Sorry to accountants. Um, says more about me than it does about you. Um, and so by that point, my parents had a cruddy lettings agency and a nanny recruitment agency. So I spent my summer kind of bouncing between the two of them because why get a proper job when you can work for your parents? And then when I came back... Um, my mum had somebody going off on maternity leave. So I trained to become a nanny recruitment consultant. Disappeared after a couple of years to try and get a grown-up proper job. Lasted six months. Um, doesn't help when, yes, with the ego of youth, you think you're better than your immediate boss, but she was shagging the managing director. So that was never going anywhere. <laughs> um and so kind of had that thing of yes I'm miserable um my parents went you need to you know you can come back but you need to give us a long-term commitment this time and so I did and 22 years later that finally came to an end um by that point we'd got into training for nannies so these newfangled NVQ things had come in um and so we ran a training business. We got in with apprenticeships at the beginning um, and the NVQs. And my parents between them came up with this revolutionary way of delivering. So my mum being an ex-geography teacher was all about learning. And NVQs 30 years ago were all about assessment. They weren't about teaching. Um, so she made our learners learn. Um, my dad worked out a model where we could do it without being financially restricted. And so between the pair of them, we came up with this genius bit. Um, my mother is very good at leadership and division. She is not good at operational implementation, staff management, actually making stuff happen. And that was the kind of the role that I had at the beginning was let's go make this happen. Um, and, you know, having adventures with learners, with staff, working out how to do it. 
and we became very successful. So by the time I was 35, I was promoted to be managing director of this four million pound turnover business. And I spent the next five years doubling it in size to peak at about two and a half thousand learners, 150 staff. Um, within that, I'm a trained leadership and management trainer. So I was delivering management apprenticeships, designing our courses. And yeah, I did a whole bunch of kind of master's level study in lifelong learning, educational leadership, loads of hr stuff. So if it comes to learning and people management and performance management, yeah, there's not a lot I don't know. Great skills, great skills to get to where you are at this point today. Um, yeah, it's phenomenal. Okay, so I love this question because you get so many different interpretations and based on your story and your life journey, I'm interested to see how you answer this. So what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Oh, that's evil. That's I think what? entrepreneurship is a state of mind. Mm. Um, it's a comfort with the unknown and a comfort with the kind of try it. Um, I There's an awful lot of people who, you know, there's qualifications in entrepreneurship and I kind of whine against those because I don't think it's something that you can teach. Um, you know, my I grew up in this environment of entrepreneurship of running a business, trying things, experimenting, reflecting, going in different directions, taking advantage of opportunities, analysing the potential pitfalls and coming up with plans that controlled the risk while taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, And that, for me, is a lot of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is not management it is different to leadership because lead but it is a type of leadership it's leadership of the organization rather than necessarily of the people in the organization it's how you are spotting those opportunities and taking advantage of them love that's a great answer spot on (laughs) so what's been the best single bit of advice you've ever received Oh, I've spent 25 years dishing out advice. Um, Okay, well, if you want to reframe it a slightly different way, what about the best bit of advice you give out? I think I'm going to quote Dr. Seuss, which is try it. You might like it. Try it and you will see, Sam, I am, for your green eggs and ham. That was one of my kids' favourite books growing up as well. Love that. Spot on. But it's just, I mean, I have spent an awful lot of time talking to my son about just try it. Mm. Um, but actually, I spend a lot of time talking to my clients about just give it a go. <laughs> it might work. Yay. Um, it's about think, that open-mindedness. Think, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And do you think that people are just scared about making mistakes these days or being seen to be making a mistake? Isn't that what holds people back? These days thing, I think it's been a forever thing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we all have that innate fear of the unknown. 
um, we're not wrong. Um, you know, you can look at it and say our fear of the unknown and our fear of strangers also gets driven by, you know, the analysis of potential pitfalls. Um, now, for a lot of people, their attitude towards risk, you know, they're naturally very cautious. Um, and therefore, they're finding an awful lot of reasons to say no to stuff. Um but they do it out of fear. So yes, if you can do the Sam I am and just try it, you might like it. Then, yeah, it's, I suppose the other approach I have to life is when we started our business, you know, after 22 years of working for my parents and from a career perspective, I suppose being quite risk averse, um, you know, took the easy way out, ran this business and by the end of it, I didn't really know who I was. Um, and so I said I wanted to have an adventure. And one of the things I realised very early on is adventures are often uncomfortable. And therefore, you have to just do it anyway. So if it scares you a little bit, well, I'm, I signed up to have an adventure. I said I wanted an adventure. And therefore, yeah, I need to do it. Because trekking across the jungle's not really a cup of tea, is it? Absolutely. Great answer again. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. So you win $10 million today. What are you going to do with it? So I am a shopaholic. Um, I suppose Ooh, I would describe... I didn't describe... know this about you. Tell me more. Oh, yes. um, like I said, I'm all about the jam today. Um so if I won $10 million, then, yeah, there's going to be a new house in my horizon just because I can, really. Um, and having been through that cycle before, um, I'm, you know, the house I'm in at the moment is fantastic for, I suppose, the price point and budget and point of life we're at. But um, I know that, for example, my husband would love to have a vineyard. So... Yeah, we'll we'll go shopping for a, a, a house with a big field so he can grow grow grapes. Um, there will be a significant car upgrade. Um, and, what car would you go for? Oh, <sighs> I well at the moment, of course, twenty twenty two, new cars are like gold dust. Um, so I've always hankered after a Porsche McCann. Do you like that? The kind of mum bus thing. Do you like those? Um, but just, yeah, it's that thing of not wanting to look too knobby. <laughs> um, That's a technical so, term, yeah? Absolutely. Very technical term. It's that thing of, you know... Not being too obvious with the fact that you've just won $10 million um, and kind of rubbing the neighbor's nose in it because they'll hate you. Um, and also $10 million on one hand is life changing, but it's not the biggest amount of money that would mean that I could retire tomorrow and never have to worry. Also, I'm a bit of a workaholic, a kind of gentle workaholic. Um Therefore, I probably wouldn't stop. So it's kind of being able to present the right image again to clients. 
So while I'd love to be able to say, yeah, I'm going for the Lambo, probably be the Lambo SUV. And I'd probably regret it fairly quickly and talk myself out of it. Okay. You know, Great the answer again, I think. Really want, and then there's the car that actually fits in with life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the reason why I like the question is that 10 million is enough to change a lot. It's enough you could stop today and change everything you do and work in a different way or, you know, sit on a beach. And if that's what floats your boat, you could be happy. But I think all... It, everyone looks at it very, very differently, but I don't disagree. I think the one thing for the husband, though, you want a vineyard and probably access to a, a marina or something on your land as well. That'll tick all these boxes. We did talk about um, if we were going to do it, and this was a conversation pre-Brexit, um, how we would go for one in the Veneto, so northern Italy, um, next to the coast. Excellent for grapes. Sounds amazing. Venice is my favourite place in the world, and yeah he can go sailing as well venice is on my list again i have been but it's been such a long time ago i would love to go back and see it with these eyes now and see what's changed it won't happen this year but definitely next year it's on my list and that's uh i think that's summer plans for next year venice when yes. we were sound of that. plotting our adventure so four years ago when the previous business came to an end and we're suddenly in this we could move anywhere we did actually look at a house on the venice lido um and just kind of had that cheeky dream on the, oh, we could. And then we whipped. Um, but, yeah, it was just like, yeah, we could have. We probably ended up in the right place, but we could have. <laughs> I, I don't think you're doing too badly when you, you is it, your neighbour is a castle and stuff. You know, you live in a nice part of the world. It's a nice part of the country. So, I think we ended up in the right place. Um, love the people that we've met being in Somerset near to Bristol and Bath. Um, and yeah, I don't want to move back. So yeah, we're good. Absolutely. Okay, next question. What does a perfect day look like to you? Oh, am I working or not working? I suppose that's you. part of the question, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, See, that's the thing. I enjoy my job. So a really good day does involve actually engaging with my clients. I don't have any clients that I don't really love working with. Um, so, yeah, if it's a work day, then what I really love is when I get to bounce from person to person to person. So it's really busy. Um, and you're just going from a whole bunch of different conversations and different issues and you have to be on it and that's just enormously good fun um and you're delivering really good um value for your clients and you can kind of look back and go damn i'm good so a damn i'm good day is really good um if i'm not working then yeah, I suppose spending time with the boys, really. So going and having a jaunt. So with my husband and my son and possibly with the dogs and just go and explore somewhere and have a nice lunch. Bit of sunshine. A little bit well, of an no, no? Cool. Your passion for what you do comes across. And I think that's, that's one of the deciding factors in, in who you are because you get so much enjoyment, so much pleasure out of doing what you do which is amazing. Okay. Yep. Oh, where should we go next? Um, do you have a specific morning routine? 
So, yes, um, because we have animals, we have a menagerie. Um, so we live with two dogs, two cats, two chickens and four runner ducks. So the morning routine starts either with the dog waking me up or the chicken waking me up. So Trev the chicken. Yes, I know it's a boy's Trev. name. Oh, chicken. Sorry. Hang on, Trevor. hang on, hang on. Trevor, <laughs> Trev the chicken. I love that. That's cool. Keep going. So she's called Trevor. It's spelled with an A on the end. We kind of made her go a little bit straight. Um, yes, yeah, she's a grey chicken. Um, she's very cute, very soft. Um, in the morning, when she wants to get let out, she will cluck very loudly. Um, and that will wake me up. If not, this morning, uh, Lola, the dog, um, licked my hand to go, Oi, mother, time to get up. Give me some attention. Um, at that point, we alternate between me and my husband as to who has to get up and actually go out and let the ducks and the chickens out, feed the cats, feed everybody, sort everything out and make the tea. The other person gets to sit in bed, read the paper and wait for their tea to arrive. Um, I like that. Yeah. So the early morning routine is very driven by, yes, animal care. And are the chickens laying? They do, yes. They're pretty consistent layers. The ducks are seasonal layers, so they have stopped for the year. Oh, right, okay. Mm. Cool. It's amazing what you know. Do you know, I didn't know you got ducks as well. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, You learn so much in this brief conversation already. It's so cool. Um, How do you continue to educate yourself and better yourself? Um... I'm doing, well, one, I'm working with an amazing coach at the moment. (laughs) Um, So that's part of, I suppose, a lot of of it is learning by doing. Um, Because of my background, teaching leadership and management for so many years, and also I spent six, seven years doing back-to-back master's level qualifications um and yeah i've got 14 different qualifications in leadership management training that's a lot of learning that i did earlier on Mm, (laughs) um absolutely so i suppose i am one of the minority of business owners who have run a business before 67% of business owners have never run a business before. So there is an awful lot of learning they need to do in order to work out how to do that. So I'm one of the weirdos in this collective because I have, and I have a lot of qualifications and learning that I had done in that previous role that now is directly relevant, not only to my job, but also to owning and running a business. Um, so I'm not really, apart from the DIY sales and marketing, because, you know, there's only two of us, so you have to do it yourself. Whereas before one had staff, um, yes, one had staff. Um, I was the one that had the ideas and they went off and did it. Now I have to do it. Um, and it is different. Um, very different, very, very different. 
that's the real learning that I did and still doing. Um, so it doesn't really involve a lot of reading or learnering, as I call it, mm-hmm. because an awful lot of that I've already done. So it's more the experiential learning and reflecting on that went well, that didn't go well. Back to the Sam I am, try it, you might like it. Okay, so if you could be remembered for one thing in the future, what would you like to be remembered for? What would you like your legacy to be? There's, I suppose, a couple of principles that I really run my business by. Um, And primarily, I think the legacy is the business legacy. One is about independence of advice and guidance. Um, We've had so many opportunities to hook up with suppliers or other people. And we deliberately don't do that because I want to be able to look my clients in the eye and say, this is the right thing for you rather than the right thing for me, because I'm being bribed to send you in this direction. Um, And that independence of advice and guidance very much comes through from my background in apprenticeships um, and working with learners to make sure that we're doing the right thing by them. That's a really important, I suppose, business ethic. Mm -hmm. The other thing is uh, the kind of robust feedback with compassion. People, you know, a lot of clients work with me because I will give it to them straight um, and I won't tell them what I think they want to hear. I will tell them what I really think about that. And I know because they've told me that that's one of the big things that they really appreciate is, yeah, I can phone you and you're going to give it to me. And that's useful information, whereas everybody else I ask is either going to flannel or tell them an angle that's convenient to them. Love that. That's cool. So with all the wisdom you've got now, that wise head on your shoulders, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self one bit of advice, what would that advice be? think it would particularly change which is unless you've got a really it's that thing of you have to have a if you're going to whine about something or complain about something you need to have a better plan if you don't have a better plan just get on with it um in the end success comes from work rate and I think that's something I probably always had which is application um that ability to work harder probably than a lot of other people very wise i like that so is there a particular book that you've read the most or a book that's impacted most on your life not necessarily a particular book i did a lot of studying around lifelong learning um and the development of competence and expertise and this is my real passion i suppose um it's all about helping people to be better at their job which is not the same as just reading a book um it's what makes me different 
as a business advisor, a business supporter, in that I focus on helping my clients to actually implement. And that's the big thing with books is lots of people will read them and just go, oh, that's lovely. Oh, honestly, it changed my life. No, it didn't. You know, what have you actually applied to your own context? Mm. Absolutely nothing. Then it didn't change your life. Um, When I'm reading stuff, um, I'm all about looking at how you can extract the value and apply it to my context and go, what do I need to change? What can I pull out of it? What are the one or two things that are the personal bits of genius for me? And then we need to go and do it. If we are not applying it to our work and changing how we are going about things because of what we've learned, wherever we've learned it from, yeah, that was just gathering information, gathering knowledge, brilliant, but it's not real until we apply it. Absolutely. Great knowledge. But, you know, Great I can insights about, into you. I can talk about the joys of Vygotsky and, and <laughs> you know, um, and scaffolding <laughs> learning, which is all cool stuff. Um, and, yeah, the difference between experience and expertise, which is all in how you are going about learning. Um, yeah. But... Actually, rather than necessarily a book, I suppose it's the qualifications. So the one that's actually been most transformative to my life um, was the Information Systems Business Analysis Apprenticeship. That's hardcore. That was amazing. Massively changed my life. Cool. Again, a great answer on so many different levels. Okay, final question. So we're obviously going through very rapid changes in the world where we are right now in a, you know, um, tough couple of years, two years, eight months, whatever. So how do you think the world's going to look in the next five years? What changes can you see? I think a lot is going to change and an awful lot isn't. So okay. partly we just need to calm the doodars down, really. Um, in that, you know, the big structures aren't really going anywhere. Um, there's going to continue to be quite a lot of instability for the next couple of years as we're in the post-pandemic um, trauma, turbulence. Um, in the UK, where we're both based, you've also got the joys of Brexit, which are making that those trends worse um, because you've got all of the changes to supply chains, um, just all of the disruption is creating these shortages um, and driving up price increases. So from a business perspective, it's how we as business owners respond to that. Um, And, yeah, there's a lot of mindset nonsense in business owners' heads um, that's getting in the way of that. Um, A lot of emotional thinking. Um, But fundamentally, I think the world is going to look pretty similar in five years' time. Hopefully all of this short-term turbulence will have worked its way out. On the other hand, you know, the world has been rocked by 
kind of shock after shock after shock after shock for the last 10, 15, 20 years, we're doing all right, really, aren't we? Maybe we've just become excitement junkies. Um, is the political instability in the US going to get, well, I mean, it's currently getting worse. We have to hope that they're going to talk themselves out of that. Um, you've then got Russia, China, all of that. Um, again, you kind of have to put faith in international leaders' abilities to not be catastrophically stupid. Not all of them at the same time. I mean, we're coming off the back of Boris, um, which was our fault for electing him. Um, but yes, it's when multiple world leaders at the same time, you know, you can talk yourself into nuclear warfare. You can just as easily talk yourself out of it. I have to give faith to people's ability to talk themselves out of such stupidity. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Spot on. Completely agree with that. Okay, well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much. Very insightful, as always. Always a pleasure having these conversations. So if people want to find out more about you and the business, how can they track you down? What's the best way of getting in contact with you? Uh, they can track down Julia Stock on LinkedIn or Facebook. Also, our website is be-astute.co.uk. Um, and there's loads of stuff there um, to just, you know, start a conversation always love having um, a chat with complete random strangers because you never know which random stranger is going to be absolute utter genius to you and your business. Uh, more great advice. And I'm a random that. stranger. Yeah. Well, I'm a Absolutely. random stranger to a lot of people. Uh, amazing so much knowledge and such great answers there real depth of meaning so thank you so much for your time really appreciate it excellent questions darling <laughs> i'll take that thank you very much and there we go uh, another great example of why i love 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 hosting this podcast julia's answers and just the depth of everything there was just so cool and you know um, first one to drop in a Dr. Zeus reference as well. So it's time to go and check out your Dr. Zeus references and uh, live your life by those great, great morals. And hopefully you can see I'm using uh, Riverside FM for the first time and um, recording it now. The quality sounds amazing in comparison. So uh, let me know what you think of the quality. Is it massively improved on using Zoom before? So yeah, I'm investing money. Finally, a year in investing money in the old podcast. But my initial impressions are that Riverside FM is a great tool and um, it's worked really, really well. So let me know. I will drop an affiliate link in the show notes if you're interested in checking out Riverside FM. You never know. I might make a couple of dollars out of it. But hey, it, it, it just seems to be an amazing tool. Anyway, that's it from me. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll catch you next Friday, 8 a.m. BST. Subscribe as always and you'll be the first to hear the latest episodes first. Have an amazing day. Thanks for joining me for this latest episode of the Three Percenters Business Coaching Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. So if you've got any feedback, you hunt any further information, or you know some amazing people we need to be talking to, please get in contact. Simply drop us an email to info at minervagrowth.co.uk. Have an amazing day.